0: We hear so many opinions these days about what is healthy and what is not. If you listen to food companies, you may get many contradictory messages. Today, Melissa Dealey is here to explain what is real and why, so you finally have a practical, doable answer for raising your kiddos. And be healthy, too. Melissa Dealey is with us today for part one to explain the ins and outs of how food impacts our kids. Plus... What food strengthens the body and the brain? She shares so much practical information that you will want to take notes. So push pause right here, right now, and go get your notebook and pen or your digital note taker. And then plan to join us again on Thursday to continue this conversation. tired of repeating yourself with your children or wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated because you wish your kids could communicate their wants and needs more clearly instead of whining or yelling? Are you plagued by the feeling you cannot meet all the needs in your family? Hey parents, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. It is possible to build strong family relationships and have boundaries that benefit kids. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get kids to listen better and build strong family connection, feel confident in managing difficult behaviors, and to help your children build more language of their own. So if you are ready to communicate in ways that build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so you can become the parent you want to be. Before we listen to what Melissa has to say, I invite you to do two things. One, Join my free Facebook community where I hope to develop a tribe of parents that help and support one another as we learn to be the parent we want to be. You'll find links in the show notes below. And two, as you have listened to this podcast, you likely realize that as children have frustrations in their communicating, they have meltdowns. When they feel distant or disconnected from us, they may have tantrums or attitudes and be angry. When we learn to read their behavior as a form of communication, we respond differently. When we can help them learn to communicate, life is calmer, it's happier, and it's easier. And that is why I have designed the coaching program that addresses just that. It's Parents' Playground for, well, teaching speech, or Parents' Playground for teaching language, or teaching behavior, or we could call it communication. The name has changed a bit. But the concepts and lessons don't because our children get better at communicating and then their behavior changes. It's called parents' playground because I want you to have the mindset that says we are all learning and growing here. And that means parents get to make mistakes and practice and try new things too, all without judgment. So if you are ready to jump right in or if you have questions about how this works, Email me at hello at the language of dot com. And now a review. Anna writes, truly enlightening and gives five stars. She says, I've listened to a few episodes so far and appreciate all the insight and tips Dina Lynn gives to help us parents connect better with our children in communication and speech. The episode on tantrums and meltdowns was especially helpful, and I had my husband listen to it, too as we have a a three-and-a-half-year-old at home. Now we can use what we have learned through this episode to better discern what our little one is going through, and we will be able to respond with more sensitivity and wisdom. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna, for the review. That is an example of what I am talking about. You learn to discern what is going on differently. You see the behavior differently. Now you can parent differently. I love that you are responding with more sensitivity and wisdom. That is what we want to do as parents. How to do it isn't always easy nor obvious. So Anna, you will love today's and Thursday's episode when we talk with Melissa about how food changes our little ones and how they think and how they behave. So let's dig in. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, Melissa, this is fabulous. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you were willing to come. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: It's such an important topic.
0: It is. And before we actually begin, I want to make sure that I read your phenomenal bio. Melissa Dealey is an integrative mind body health practitioner, also trained in NLP, timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy teacher. She's dedicated to helping her clients discover the root cause of their health issue and truly heal while detoxing their physical, mental, and emotional bodies. Melissa's business is 100% virtual and she works with the entire English speaking world. Melissa also uses the power of functional medicine lab tests mailed to your home while offering a very high level of support to ensure client success as we navigate the path bringing the bodies back into balance while creating new lifestyle habits to ensure lasting results. Melissa is an international speaker three-time best-selling author, and has been named to the 2022 Korea Goble Award list and the winner of the Alignable 2023 and 2022 Local Business Person of the Year Award for Whistler. She is also the recipient of the 2022 and 2021 Quality Care Award by Business from the Heart. Melissa is the host of the Don't Wait Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast, a podcast offering practical education around health, which ranked in the top 5% of global podcasts by listen notes in the first three months of launching. While not serving her clients, Melissa can be found on her paddleboard, backcountry hiking, and camping with her daughters, downhill or cross country skiing, or planning her next trip for Girl Guide Unit or working on her passion project, Girls Matter. Helping keep girls in school in Uganda, breaking the poverty cycle, one girl, one family, one village at a time. That bio is amazing, and I am so proud of you for all the work that you have done for people and with people because you do indeed create lasting change. I know that for me, I have benefited from being, um, from listening to your podcast, from learning from you, and yeah, you're you're phenomenal. So. I really feel honored that you have taken the time to be with me here today.
1: Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dina Lynn. It is my pleasure and my honor. I love collaborating with you. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share this information with a wider audience because I know that it does change lives and I want to be able to reach more people.
0: That's fantastic. Well, for our audience, they should know that I contacted you and said, Melissa, would you please come on my podcast? And the reason that I wanted you on this podcast is because when I talk to parents, they talk to me about behavior very often, and they're addressing behaviors. And I know, but I'm not skilled to teach about the intensity of like sugar and food colorings and sensitivities and toxins, all the things that you know and know well. And, you know, I know some of how that affects the brain. And of course, you change the brain that affects behavior. I am going to ask you to really just take it. And Can you teach us about sugar? Let's start there. Let's just start with sugar because it's summertime. We celebrate with sugars, don't we? And let's Let's think about what sugar does in the brain and how it impacts behavior. And what can you tell us about that?
1: So, yes, sugar is in everything, which is part of the problem. So we really do have to be reading our labels and sugar is highly addictive and we all have different degrees of sensitivity to it as well. And so I wanna address all of these factors, but let's just talk about the fact that it's highly addictive because people don't necessarily realize that. And when it's in everything, it becomes a problem. And the food manufacturers know that it's highly addictive. So they put the sugar in the food on purpose in order to have you buy more of their foods because you love it so much and you want more of it, which fuels their bottom line at the same time as causing health issues and behavioral issues in both adults and children.
0: I remember the first time I realized that you can't buy a can of stewed tomatoes without finding out that there's sugar in it.
1: Yeah, there's two foods that they put in, sugar or salt, because both are quite addictive, right? And some have both, right? Believe it or not, like Coke has both in it, right? Ketchup Mm -hmm. has sugar in it, why, you know? There's so many foods that have sugar in it that you may not realize. I thought before I was in health and wellness, when my kids were little, I was in the corporate world and I thought giving my children rice cakes and fishy crackers were, you know, non sugary snacks that I was sending them to school with.
0: Me too. Until
1: (laughs) until I realized there's even sugar in those, right? And so the poor teachers in the classrooms, because the children are really hopped up. And the other thing too is, is fruit juice, you know, those little fruit juice containers that kids often take to school, the juice boxes. Yeah, there is 28 grams of sugar in most of those, 28 grams in one juice box, which is a cup of juice, right? And we think we're giving them something healthy, Mm -hmm. but we're really not because 28 grams of sugar is seven teaspoons of sugar. Would you sit your child down at the table and feed them seven teaspoons? No, of course you wouldn't, right? And you might be thinking, well, it's natural sugar. Yes, it's natural sugar. But when we don't get the fiber of the actual fruit and we're just getting the juice and the sugars, it's causing spikes in that little child's body. It's causing insulin to come out and help move the you know fructose around the body, et cetera, right? and mm-hmm. in, in, into our cell, into our muscles and into our brain, and into our cells, et cetera. The problem is is if we do that all the time, those stores can get full. And then there's nowhere else for that sugar to go. And a, it gets stored in our in our body and it, we build fat as a result. but also it starts to build sen- insensitivity to those sugars, right? And that's when we start to get onto the path of type 2 diabetes, which? used to be called adult onset diabetes because people who developed it tended to be adults when they developed it versus type one is something that many people are born with, right? However, they've had to rename it to type two diabetes because so many children in the last 15 years have been diagnosed with this. It was no longer adult onset. And again, it's because of the processed food industry, everything being so full of sugar, and kids eating way more sugar than they should be and unknowingly getting sugar often through their drinks, not just their food. So look at energy drinks. We're an energy drink addicted society. Gatorades and those energy drinks, et cetera. They're not only full of sugar, they're also full of food coloring. Yeah. And that's problematic as well, right? What is the
0: what is the problem with food
1: coloring? Food coloring, again, there's uh, different people have different sensitivities to it, but it can just create a reaction in the body where the child doesn't know why they they feel the way they do. And again, in everyone, it can be different and they can have a meltdown, right? They can be crying or they can be just miserable. They just have too much energy and they don't know how to release it. And it ends up being some kind of a meltdown will very often happen. Or they're in, depending on the child, because we're all different, it can end up that they are responding as if they're all hopped up on sugar. So they're full of energy, they can't calm, they can't settle their little bodies down. And when children feel out of control, it doesn't feel good. When adults feel out of control, it doesn't feel good, right? And so, and they can't explain why they feel the way they feel because they don't know and they don't understand that it's related to food either. And so they're acting out, they're upset, they're crying, they're having temper tantrums, they're feeling angry, they want to lash out, and then they're getting in trouble for that. And they don't understand why they're getting into trouble because they don't know what they did. hmm they didn't do anything. They just ate food or drank a drink that was given to them. Right. So when last week I <laughs> had a,
0: a wonderful time with a family and we were celebrating, you know, as somebody was leaving and we had a tremendous amount of food coloring in the food that I didn't know about, but culturally they put food coloring in the food to make it pretty. It was pretty. And While I was eating it, I noticed that I had kind of a stomach ache, but kind of not really, but the food tasted so good. I just thought it can't be this, you know, later on, I realized there was a tremendous amount of food coloring in it. And it took about a day and a half for me to feel like normal again. Otherwise I had like tension and in my body and I, like my lymph glands just kind of felt sore and and my stomach just kind of felt sore, not really like I was going to throw up, but, you know, just really off. Mm-hmm. and and i I attributed it really to the food coloring because it was the only thing I was able to find that would have caused this shift in me. And so mm-hmm. when i when I think about food coloring, I always think, mm, avoid it. But at the same time, You know, we've got 4th of July coming up. We've got these summer June celebrations. We have cupcakes and they're so pretty and there's M&Ms that have all the food coloring and whatever else that we're going to enjoy. How do parents like get away from that when it is everywhere?
1: It is everywhere. And so it's really hard. And so what I like to recommend to people is I teach the 80-20 rule. None of us are ever going to be perfect. And if we try to deprive Our children of everything and they see their friends eating it and they're not allowed to eat it. It just makes them go the other way and they'll start sneaking it behind your back. They'll go to friends houses and eat as much of it as they can get there because they're not allowed it at home. And so it's actually much more important to have conversations with your children and understand this. As I said, we all have different degrees of sensitivity. You notice that sensitivity in your body after having some food coloring, right? And what happens with sensitivities is that you very often notice it somewhere from 24 to 72 hours later. And so it can be hard to know exactly what is triggering you feeling the way you're feeling. But if it has been around celebration and you've had a lot of sugar, you've had a lot of food coloring, you can talk to your child about, you know, it's fun to celebrate, but that's how it made you feel. So we're not going to eat this every single day. We're going to save this for special occasions because you don't want to feel like this every single day, right? The way you felt for those, that 36 hours, you don't want to wake up and feel like that every day. And yet some people do, and they don't know that they can feel better because they're so used to feeling that way. But if you have conversations with your kids about what this is doing to their health, to their body, and teach them the 80-20 rule, let's plan the week. These are the days or the times where we're going to celebrate, where we're going to have some food that maybe isn't ideal for our body, and it might make us feel a little bit off, but we're just going to have it on that day and maybe this day, so two times a week. And you don't want to do it two back-to-back days because that builds on that feeling of Feeling like crap, literally, right? Feeling off. And you yourself, it took 36 hours to feel normal. And so that's why you want to have at least a day in between to give your body that chance to recover and get back to normal before you put something else in. Sure.
0: That makes complete sense. So I'm thinking of what you're saying in terms of the body's ability to take care of itself. You know, our bodies are made to heal. And what I'm thinking as you describe is like giving our bodies time to detox from Is that what you're talking about? That your body is having a gap between so that it can get the toxins from the sugar and the food coloring out in its own time and in its own strength. And that's why you're saying it's allowed sometimes. And then of course, we want to still have some moderation, (laughs) not too
1: much, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, if you see a cupcake that's bright blue food coloring on top, maybe that's not the cupcake you're going to pick. Maybe you pick one that doesn't have any icing or maybe you take that, just take the icing off and just eat the cupcake. Right. So there's there's often choice in what you're eating as well. And you can look at everything that's available and make the best choice for you. And then from there, yes, your body needs that chance to detox it out, as opposed to just piling it in every single day. So, you know, maybe you have something on a Friday one week, and then you have, you know, another cheat treat is maybe it's on a Wednesday the following week or something, if you can manage it like that, right? As opposed to a whole bunch all at once. And then, or even a little bit every day, a little bit every day is definitely not what the body wants.
0: Right. That makes sense. One of the things that I taught my children, and I'd like your feedback on, uh, what I raised my kids to do and what I've told many parents in my speech pathology program, when they ask about foods, I say, if it grew like that, eat all you want. And if it didn't, don't eat much. And that was kind of a mantra. Would you give me your feedback on that?
1: Totally agree, right? Mother nature has given us everything that we need. And all of this processed food that we now have in our world today, made by a food industry that ultimately doesn't care about our health. They're just in it to make money for their bottom lines, for their companies, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea that, you know, we make more in order to feed more people on the planet. But when we start messing with Mother Nature, we cause problems. And that's why today many people know to avoid GMO foods. The idea behind GMO was to feed more people, except that we are not replicating nature exactly. Even though it looks like it through a microscope to the scientists, it's still not exact. And there have been known problems as a result of people eating GMO foods. So we want to be avoiding them. We do want to be enjoying our fruit and vegetables and not enough people are eating the amount that we should be, which is seven to nine cups a day as an adult, you know, two to three cups in the morning. I make a smoothie every day, throw in some fruits and veggies into my smoothie again, another two to three cups at lunch and then two to three cups at dinner. That's giving us a lot of fiber. It's giving us great polyphenols and antioxidants that help our body to fight disease and boost our immune system and When we eat like that, we can fend off a lot of the dis-ease of the body that is out there. Now, there are people who will say, but I can't eat carbs or proponents of a low-carb diet. I'm not a proponent of that at all. I'm not a proponent of cutting out an entire food group. There are times for very specific people with very specific medical conditions where a low-carb diet might be helpful. If you're somebody who feels better on a low carb diet then I want to know why. Why is your body not able to digest the carbs in the first place? Let's address that and get you back to being able to address the carbs and get you back into these health promoting foods that come from mother nature that you don't even have to read the label of, you don't have to count the calories of because they're grown in the, in your garden or a garden.
0: Can you define what you're talking about as carbs? Because when I think about carbs, I think sugar is carbs. I think crackers are carbs. I think those goldfish crackers also are carbs. But I also think of potatoes and carrots. So can you tell me what you would tell a parent? Like, what do you mean by carbs? What are the good carbs? And what are the carbs that they should avoid?
1: So the good carbs, like all fruit and vegetables are carbohydrates, right? All of them. So those are the good carbs. And as I said earlier, the fruit you want to eat whole versus taking the juice out of the fruit and just getting the juice. Now, the simple carbs are the ones that we don't want. Those are the sugars, the breads, the white bread, white rice, white pasta. All of those simple carbs are carbs that the body breaks down very quickly. They trigger an insulin spike. You get that quick energy and then you crash, and then you're looking for something else to give you energy. So you're reaching for another quick snack. And people are on this roller coaster diet all day long because they're predominantly eating simple carbs and relying on sugar and caffeine. And the body treats caffeine in a very similar way that it treats the simple carbs and sugar, which is with that roller coaster insulin spike and crash.
0: So given that, Would you recommend people do leave out all simple carbs? I mean, that doesn't really happen because this is real life, but if you had the ideal situation, is that something that you would leave out?
1: In the ideal situation? Yes. To me, those are, again, treat meals. So that's part of your 20%, right? And then your whole grains... And your vegetables and your fruit that are full of fiber, full of polyphenols, antioxidants, and all of that goodness are what's making up 80% of your diet, along with good quality protein and some good quality fats, right? So we don't have to live on pasta. We don't need to be eating pizza every single day and pasta every single day, but it can be a treat meal, but we need to make sure we're getting the rest of those whole grains and good quality carbs, good quality protein, and good quality fat in every meal.
0: And you, this is fantastic, and I want to thank you for defining these things because I, what I found when I had parents come in into my room, very often they didn't really know what kind of fats were good and bad. They didn't know what kind of good proteins were good and bad, and they didn't differentiate between carbs. And some parents certainly had a real good handle on that, but the majority of people that I worked with did not. So with that in mind, can I have you tease out further What is a good
1: fat? So a good fat, examples of good fats are avocados. Half an avocado at any given meal is an excellent fat. So with that is avocado oil. Olive oils are very good fats. And again, you want to have organic, you want to have them in a dark bottle, et cetera, so they don't oxidize quickly. Um, As well as um, coconut oil is another good quality fat. So I use coconut oil when baking, and I do bake treats. I love making like coconut pumpkin banana muffins, right? So I've got a little bit of veg in there, I got a little bit of fruit in there. I'm making it with coconut oil. I'm making it with monk fruit as my how do you sweeten it? Oh, monk fruit, monk Monk fruit. fruit as my sweetener versus sugar, right? And then the bananas are sweet too. And I make it at home so I know exactly what's in it versus store bought when now they've added in these chemicals to add to the shelf life so it doesn't go stale before you buy it, right. So I know exactly what's in it and I can enjoy that as an afternoon snack if I need something on a day where I you know i'm on the run I want to just have something simple so. Those are the good quality fats. There's not a lot of them. So just to recap, your olive oil, your coconut oil, your avocado oil or macadamia nut oil and avocados are your best sources right there. And when you're cooking vegetables, for instance, you can just cook up, steam up the veggies and then drizzle the olive oil over it after, the, after it's cooked and you get the flavor of that olive oil and you're getting the benefit of that fat. You only need one to two tablespoons of oil per meal to get in your good quality fats that you need. Then when it comes to proteins, again, there's plant protein, there's animal protein. When I'm working with clients, what I do is I have them do a four day energy experiment. So we can determine, does your body do better with animal protein or plant-based proteins or a mix of both? Because again, we're all different. Every single one of our microbiomes is different. And it goes back four generations on our mother's side. So where was your great, great, great grandmother living? And what type of food was she eating then? Because it's probably very different to what you're eating now. And just within a family, we will, you know, make a dinner and then everybody eats the same dinner. And we tell the children, well, you can't leave the table till you finish your dinner or eat everything on your plate, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes within the family, there are food sensitivities that are coming up where we can't feed everybody the same meal because their microbiome is different, right? So understanding the type of protein that energizes your body is really helpful. And this is a very easy experiment to do. You can just literally all day long eat for three meals, eat some form of animal protein if you already do and you want to know, right? If you already know you don't like animal protein, don't do the experiment. But if you wanna know, do I do better on animal or or plant-based protein? For one whole day, just eat animal protein. And as you finish each meal, just make a note of how you feel, how your digestive system feels, and set a timer for two hours later. How are you feeling? What are your energy levels like? The next day, you're gonna alternate. You're gonna have plant in the morning, animal for lunch, plant in the evening. And then again, do the same assessment as you're eating and two hours later. The third day, you're going to start with animal in the morning, plant at lunch, animal in the evening. And the fourth day, you're going to do all plant-based protein. And so over the course of those fourth day, four days, as you analyze it yourself, you can start to figure out which day did I have the most energy? Which day did my digestion feel the best? And then you know, my body really likes animal protein or my body really likes plant-based protein, or I do well with a mix of both. And then that helps you also be in the driver's seat for you, for your kids. You can have your kids do this too. So that when you're hearing people say, I'm on the carnivore diet and you have you should be too, because I lost so much weight and this is the only way to go, or I'm vegan and you should be too because it's saving the planet and blah, blah, blah. We get so much information thrown at us about the way we should eat. Mm -hmm. The reality is you need to eat the way your body and your microbiome needs you to eat. And that is unique to you. And you have every right to figure that out for you and stand in your power and say, thank you. I love that you're vegan and that it works for you. This is what I do for me.
0: I love it. I love that. And I love also that you can do this with your kids, like you were saying. So parents can explain to their kids, we're going to practice. We're going to try this out for the day. Now I am imagining that so many people have sugar every single day yes. that to follow this protocol that you've mentioned, first day all meat, second alternate uh, veggie, meat, veggie, and then meat, veggie, meat, and then the fourth day all veggie. So, or however you said it, Yeah. maybe people have to rewind and check, see if I got that right. But, um, you know, while they're doing that, I'm guessing that the sugar's could derail the understanding of what it is that your body is experimenting with as you okay. try to seek the answer.
1: Yes. So we're not doing sugary treats. We're going to pick four days when we're going to be fairly regimented in the way we eat and just create create a meal plan of healthy meals that include you know, that animal-based protein. With the animal-based protein, you're still going to have some vegetables that day. You're not going to just eat animal protein, but you're going to include animal protein and then have lots of veggies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely need to be releasing the sugar and making sure that you're not, you know, filling up with ice cream after dinner or sugary snacks middle of the afternoon. Instead when you of-
0: say you- releasing, okay, when you say releasing the sugar, do you mean
1: not having it? Yes, not having it not having it. And even the day before, just try to, because as I said earlier, it can take 36 hours for your body to release the toxins that you've taken in from foods. So for 36 hours before you start the experiment, you still need to eat pretty clean over those 36 hours. All
0: right. That sounds so easy. It sounds like it would be a great thing to do for families, for kids. It sounds like, man, we can, excuse me, completely interrupt our eating cycle and reprogram in just four days. It sounds easy. I suspect it isn't as easy as it sounds. Am I right?
1: Well, it's an easy program to follow. And like I said, anybody can do anything for four days, but you do have to go into it with the right mindset because as soon as you start trying to change any kind of habit, right, your brain starts to notice and it's like, why are you doing this? You're making different meals and this takes longer and you haven't done this before. And it feels hard. And why don't you just go back to what you were doing before and not worry about this, right? Mm-hmm. We have these Conversations in our head all the time. Right. What I like to encourage people to do is stop listening to the conversations in our head because they don't serve us, right? right? How often has the conversation in your head cheered you on and told you how amazing you were and how successful you're going to be and how you can do this.
0: <laughs> That's not Unless do,
1: exactly. <laughs> Unless you know how to make that happen, it's not happening. So I love to tell people stop listening to the conversations in your head and speak back to yourself. This is totally healthy to do. I know maybe 50 years ago you might have been thrown in an asylum for talking to yourself, but talking to yourself <laughs> is really important. You get to tell your brain, no, I do know what I'm doing. And I know it feels a little bit hard right now, but I just want to do this because I would like to understand the best way to feed my body and just give me four days to get through this. You know, I take people through a 21 day detox to get all the toxins out of their body. Right. And that's a big commitment. And I guide people through because it's so easy for people to fall off when we rely just on willpower and we don't have the support and, but it's incredibly powerful to do this for the health of our body. And whenever I tell them, just talk back to your brain, know that you've got this, you can do it. Every single person. Successful. And so that's the key is talking back to your brain and just asking for a little bit of grace. I'm going to do this. This is such,
0: such valuable information. And I do appreciate you explaining the food. Now, what we started talking about was behavior and food. And I see that we are running slow, you know, like to the end of the time that we had expected. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to keep the microphone rolling and continue our conversation. And then we'll break this up into two episodes.
1: Absolutely, I would love to do that.
0: okay, so um thank you. I'll just close it out for a moment and then we'll continue. so thank you listeners for joining me today with Melissa Dealy for some fabulous learning on food and what is very good and how it is that your body utilizes it and come back next time and you will hear the remainder of this conversation where we're talking more about food and we're Linking it to the behaviors more and watching our kids so that we can maybe predict what is going on in their bodies and change it. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review, and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community, where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.